I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets Podcast. Hi. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. In our last episode, our snack episode, we talked a little bit about like deactivation strategies, distress tolerance, things like that came up with both of those like uh, listener questions that we were answering. And so we said, you know, have we really talked about like true distress tolerance uh, strategies or like emotional regulation strategies? And we decided, no, I don't think we have actually (laughs) talked other than like self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Or mindfulness. We haven't talked about it a ton. So... Today, we're going to spend our time kind of going through some of the more common deactivating strategies, distress tolerance strategies, and things like that. Uh, Things that you can pull out of your toolbox at any time to use when you're feeling that like red line, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to freak the fuck out if one more thing happens, you know, like (laughs) that kind of a thing. Yep. So get some hot chocolate and a blanket. That is a really good thing to start with, JJ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's start there. (laughs) So um, first, before we talk about anything else, I need to just go over like a legal disclaimer and things like that. So obviously, I'm a veterinarian. JJ is a licensed veterinary technician. Neither one of us are licensed mental health professionals. Yet. Well, okay. So I am... As many people know, finishing up my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. As of the time of this recording, I have like three days left in my (laughs) program. Okay. Uh, And then I'll be graduated. Yeah. But um, to be licensed in the state of Alabama, there's a little process, of course, that you have to go through. So by the time this airs, I probably still won't be licensed because of the holidays and things like that. That probably won't happen until early 2024. And so although by the time this airs, I will have graduated with my master's degree, I'm not a therapist officially at this time. Mm -hmm. And that is um, the disclaimer. (laughs) But the things that we're going to go over today are skills that you could read about online if you just Google like emotional regulation. Okay, so. We're going to be talking about these strategies from the standpoint of education, educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute therapy. If you need more help, seek the advice of a licensed therapist in Mm -hmm. your area. Yes, do it. Okay. Well, so let's go back to what JJ just said, which is like when I'm feeling rough, I need to get my cocoa and my soft blanket. Mm -hmm. And that's an important part of self-care. Now, we have talked about self-care a lot on the podcast before, like a lot. I think we had a whole episode or maybe even two mm-hmm. dedicated to the idea of self-care. And so people who listen to the podcast a lot probably already know self-care is not just manis and petties and massages and things like that. It's literally like, did I have a plan to eat today? Mm-hmm. Have I bought groceries? Have I facilitated nutrition for my body and hydration for my body? Have I slept enough? Like that sort of basic stuff. But there is also room for the cozy blanket and the hot chocolate and things that are kind of indulgent. And making yourself feel cozy is a really, really important strategy that I think is underrated. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. 
Now, I don't know that this is a strategy in therapy that has like a specific name other than just self-care. Creature comforts. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, it might kind of qualify as like a distraction in a way. So when you are feeling very emotionally activated, whether that means that uh, your anger has spiked, maybe you're feeling super duper sad, tons of frustration, like uh, in animals, if you get really, really, really activated and upset, it's more challenging to use the frontal lobe, the thinky-think part of your brain. It's much easier to access the reactive part. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is distract initially. Now, sometimes people hear that and they say, I thought that we're not supposed to try to distract ourselves from things that are difficult because aren't we supposed to like process them and sit with them and like ride the wave? And I'm going to say, sure, absolutely. You absolutely need to process these things. But trying to process them when you're very, very activated, is probably not going to be very helpful. So first we need to get deactivated and then we can work on additional strategies. So the first thing that I'll say is engaging in things that you really enjoy that are distracting enough for your mind to kind of take your mind off of the thing that's bothering you and that are fun and enjoyable things to do. So JJ, you mentioned a blanket and hot cocoa. Is that a go-to thing or was that kind of like just an example? Well, there's a few more things to add to that. Like that's usually my go-to if I'm feeling upset or sad mm -hmm. or for any reason, I typically like, I just want to be somewhere comfortable and have my my creatures all around me and either be in silence, listen to some music or watch a very familiar, happy, predictable movie or TV show. Usually either Pride and Prejudice or Gilmore Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my go-to. Well, that sounds like an excellent distraction um, because you are lowering like your burden that you're putting on yourself when you're really <laughs> activated and you're going to a comforting or familiar show. So you don't have to do a lot of like intellectual or emotional work mm -hmm. usually for a show that you kind of already know exactly what's going to happen. It's just a very comforting thing. I like Parks and Recreation for that. That's probably my go-to, although I maybe have different flavors of comfort shows. I would say like I might put Harry Potter on, mm -hmm. depending on the time of year. I might mm -hmm. do Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say Pride and Prejudice 2005. Like, that's my general go-to, like, pre-ER working day. <laughs> like, I preemptively mm -hmm. do the creature comfort so that I can handle the stress of working ER. So I think that that's a great option. I find it very centering. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I'm now at my best self. And... I am ready for, you know, and I mean, for dealing with that particular emotion, I feel like I'm good at that anger. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm. as good at. Okay. I tend to be either more reactive or shut down. And then I dwell, replay things in my head, and then react to that. Even though it's later and I find myself like ramping back up to very angry mm -hmm. and I can't quite, I don't know, I can't quite resolve the issue unless it's like weeks later and then it's just like there's still no resolution, but I, I don't care anymore. 
<laughs> yeah. What you're describing is rumination or turning the problem over in your head repeatedly, mentally replaying maybe an interaction that you had mm -hmm. would be the most common thing. Mm -hmm. um, maybe replaying what I did do, what did happen, what they said, what I said, or maybe what I think I should have done. Yes, okay. that 100%. Yeah, what should I have said differently? You know, excessive rumination is common in people who have clinical anxiety. No. <laughs> yeah, like me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, like you mentioned, I mean, it drives further activation, right? Um, and so it's what... One of the ways that we sort of naturally try to manage our anxiety would be to kind of check, double check, search for things, make sure I didn't make a mistake. And uh, part of that is the rumination or replaying it. But that's actually not like super helpful. It usually just like makes it kind of worse. Mm -hmm. um, it does not lead to relaxation. Mm -hmm. So there are some specific strategies that we can do to knock ourselves out of significant rumination or Anytime you're really redlined, you describe like when, especially when I get angry, if I'm at a 10 out of 10, like imagine the cartoon of the guy like shooting steam out of his ears, like that kind of a thing, then what can I do to kind of get myself calmed back down? So here's the answer. Uh, there's a lot of things, but there's a particular skill that I think everyone in veterinary medicine needs to know about. And this is a skill from DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy. And it's called the TIP skill, T-I-P. TIP stands for T, temperature, I, intense exercise, P, and there's two Ps. So one is paced breathing and the other is paired muscle relaxation. We use an acronym to talk about these skills so that it's easy to remember what they are in, um, you know, in the heat of the moment. It's not necessarily that you would do all of the skills at one time. Like you wouldn't do like temperature and intense exercise followed by these things. Although you might, sometimes you just need to pull out one. Some of them are amenable to doing in a crowd or when you're at work. No one would ever know. Some of them uh, might draw some attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so they have pros and cons. But I thought we could just maybe go down the list there, the tip skill, and sort of talk about each part. Uh, because I think it might be really helpful for people that need a, a solid, concrete go-to thing to try to knock them out of one of these really intense emotional uh, experiences. Yes, please, because yeah. I was like, do I need anger management? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the tip skill is a type of distress tolerance um, skill. Now, when we're looking at distress tolerance skills, it's important to understand that these are not processing skills. Distress tolerance is what we reach for when we are redlining and we need to chill. We need to not make a situation worse. But it's not that we do distress tolerance and then ride off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. These are things to help you get your uh, frontal lobe back online and unhijack it so that then you can come in with a longer term solution. Okay. 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 So temperature. We're talking about cold temperature. In mammals, there is something called the dive reflex. So if imagine you're like a little mammal and you're just like strolling along and all of a sudden you like ah, trip and fall and you fall into like an icy pond. Okay. When that happens, your body is going to go through some changes to try to save your life. Mm -hmm. The first thing that happens 
is peripheral vasoconstriction. Okay, so the blood vessels in your hands and feet and arms and legs are going to constrict. And the reason that happens is so that it's like, hey, let's send all the available blood to the brain and heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's going to happen is that your heart rate is immediately going to slow down. When we are using the T part of the tip skill, we're trying to mimic that dive response. Because when you are super, super activated, your sympathetic uh, nervous system has taken over. And what we need to do is to unhijack it and get the parasympathetic nervous system back online and involved more with this so that we can help regulate heart rate and breathing and calm ourselves down a little bit better. So to mimic the dive reflex in a perfect world, you would stand by a table and place a bowl of ice water on the table. Now, temperature-wise, we're looking for like 40-ish degrees Fahrenheit, okay? Not really colder than that. We don't want to blast ourselves, you know, or, mm-hmm. or create like, you know, uh, temperature burns, like cold burns on our face. But we want to, you know, chilly, mm-hmm. okay? And what you would do is you would, you know, literally bend over the table, take a deep breath, and then plunge, <laughs> you know, like your face into the water. And we're aiming for like 30 to 60 seconds, okay, which is actually a long time when you time it. And then we're going to come up for air, okay? And that would probably be the closest way to mimic the dive reflex. Now, sometimes that's not very accessible. Mm -hmm. So what are the other things you can do? Well, you could splash cold water on your face. Mm -hmm. You could get a little ice pack out of the fridge and you could... Use a little towel to protect your, you know, skin, but put it there over your eyes. So you would have the ice kind of on your forehead and temples and then touching your cheekbones so that it kind of covered up your eyes there. Mm -hmm. And you could even (gasps) hold your breath and bend over and then stand back up. Okay. Now, you would not want to do this temperature skill if you have like blood pressure problems, if you have heart disease or heart problems, things like that, because you might pass out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you always want to think about like, is this skill a good idea for me before you go doing it? But what you're going to see is a really rapid reduction in your intense emotions. Okay. Now, I will say that this is somewhat short-lived. It's not like you're going to do the icy plunge and then never have another bad feeling for the rest (laughs) of the day. Most likely, we're talking like, you know, minutes to hours and not hours or days or weeks. But it can help you temporarily until you can come back to a different type of skill uh, for more processing. Or just control-alt-deleting. Yeah, you're trying to reset. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Just turn off the power and plug it back in Mm -hmm. and uh, get booted back up again. (laughs) That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I actually keep, you know, little ice packs in my freezer just for this purpose. Now, uh, the next part that I'm going to talk to you about is not, strictly speaking, within the instructions that Marshall Lonahan has set out for DBT. But this helps me. Um, So you can also put the ice pack on your chest. Again, you know, protecting it with your clothing or with a little thin towel and not over the heart. So you want to put it, you know, on the right side of the chest. Uh, But the thought is that that can help sort of 
calm down the vagal stimulation that happens. And so if we can kind of chill the vagal nerve out a little bit, then we can calm down sooner. And I will say that just anecdotally from my own experience, ice pack on the chest does help with this. I'm wondering, do some of these exercises come to people instinctually? Is that the right word? Could. I mean, Marsha Linehan kind of made this up based on her own experience. I mean, there's research to support <laughs> this, but why do you ask? Well, I just can remember times when I've mainly been at work and if I'm experiencing like if it's really stressful and my anxiety is really high and I just feel like overly stimulated, overly emotional, overly everything, my instinct, like I want ice packs on me, like I want to stick my head in the freezer and like just put them. Sometimes I have gone to the bathroom and just put like cold water on me. I mean, maybe some of it was just I was just really also hot temperature wise. Maybe. But, yeah. But yeah, I just like I just crave coldness to just because it does kind of seem to calm a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's valid. I, I think that it absolutely could be something that you've recognized helps you in the past. And so you continue doing it. So I don't discount that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. When I think about this, I think about like, you know, in the olden days, like all those old movies and stuff. And really even like my nanny when I was growing up, you know, if I got really, really worked up or you see people in movies get really, really worked up and they have to go lie down. What do they what do people bring them? Cold rag. A cold case. rag. Exactly. Or if somebody's like being hysterical, they take them and shove their head in water. I've seen that. Oh, wow. In okay. movies before. <laughs> it's, it's a little drastic. Or they just pick them up and throw them in water. Okay. <laughs> well, um, wow. I, uh, ha I Those are not coming to me right away, but absolutely possible. Probably from the 80s. Now, we do not advocate on the podcast dunking other people in no. water. Okay, It was usually like a, a hysterical female, and that was their man's answer. Was like, oh, you're super mad and you're yelling and you're throwing a fit, so I'm gonna throw you in water. Fantastic, so, yeah, uh, just patriarchy. Not, yeah. At any rate, like we do want to make sure with this skill that we are not imposing <laughs> it upon others. JJ brings up an excellent point. Consent is very important. For yes. This. Um, but uh, like, if you read Marsha Linehan's books about her experience being institutionalized, she talks about like if psychiatric patients were very, very like activated and acting up, you know, then they would submerge them in cold water and like zip them up, you know, and mm -hmm. like then that she realized like this doesn't help <laughs> or they would put them, they would wrap them in frozen towels. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that she noticed like, while not necessarily comfortable, this is helping, you know, calm me down. And so that's where she got it from and started to, you know, look into it and Anyway, then she learned about the dive reflex. Interesting. So anyway, I think that this uh, is a pretty accessible skill, particularly the ice pack part. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm, say I'm really worked up at work, you know, I can just run to the freezer, grab an ice pack and like just tuck it into my shirt while I'm typing up notes. Like, that's fine. Or sit over, uh, sit with it over my face for a few minutes, like. You know, people might look at you funny and be like, what's going on with you? You know, or they might not notice that much, especially if you have it just like tucked into your scrub top. Mm -hmm. And then related to this, but again, not necessarily endorsed by DBT proper, would be 
doing something like allowing an ice cube to melt in your hand, okay? But it can help you kind of regulate, focus on something else. With these distress tolerant skills, we're trying to avoid a, a bad outcome for making poor decisions in the moment. We're, we're actively trying to not make a situation worse. So while letting an ice cube dissolve in your hand is not going to fix you completely, it is something that you can do to deactivate yourself. Sweet. Okay. So then the next skill would be eye intense exercise. Mm. Yeah. So what we're talking about there is like, pretty good exercise for 20 to 30 minutes in a perfect world. And, you know, you can look up and see, like, based on your age and things like that, your gender, your body size, like what your target heart rate would be. About 70% of the max heart rate recommended for your age range is where they want you to land with this type of exercise. Now, 20 to 30 minutes is kind of a long time. I recognize that. That might not be very accessible during a workday. Although I think it's super accessible after work. So just like a high energy breed of dog, Mm. we probably need to be exercising ourselves till we're tired every day. So 20 to 30 minutes is about right. But I will say that you can make this more accessible by shortening the time. So for me in my 40s, doing 30 to 60 seconds of jumping jacks works. (laughs) It works. Is it as prescribed in the official, like, you know, books and things like that. No, it's much shorter. But in practice, 30 to 60 seconds of jumping jacks will knock me out of some bad feelings pretty quick. (laughs) So, you know, if I do the ice and then I do jumping jacks, you know, then I normally feel a lot better. I'll be needing ice again after that. (laughs) For exercise in particular, this has a little bit of a longer lasting effect than, say, the ice, uh, the temperature one. And it's really good for like motivation. So say your negative feelings are bogging you down and you cannot get going. So say you have a major task you need to undertake and you just can't get it moving. You can't do it for whatever reason. You just are dreading it. You feel paralyzed because you're so overwhelmed. Exercise is a good one to reach for in this situation because it gets you going. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, so then the P's, Uh, paced breathing and paired muscle relaxation. So paced breathing is going to be purposeful breathing in a calm way. And again, by the book might be a little bit different from how I use this in my everyday life, and I still feel like it helps. But if we're talking by the book, having an inhale that lasts about half the time as your exhale So exhale about twice as long as an inhale would be ideal. Looking at like six to 10 breaths a minute would be ideal. And then, you know, we want to try to start with pushing the belly out with air. So filling the belly with air first, then letting the ribs flare open like an umbrella opening, not just in the front, but all 360 degrees. And I have trouble with that. I find that I don't often expand my ribs in the back to breathe, okay? Mm -hmm. If you, for whatever reason, maybe struggled with constantly feeling like you need to suck your stomach in for your whole life, a lot of times you will be really um, lacking in full breathing, okay? So what we're looking at for is a diaphragmatic breath like you would do to sing, you know, like or something (laughs) like that. Okay, you want it to be a big breath and not these little bitty breath 
mumbo jumbo, okay? We don't wanna breathe up into just the top part of our chest because even though that allows you to keep your stomach tucked in, <laughs> that's not great for your deep core muscles. And it's also not great for just your ability to expand your lungs fully. So if JJ and I were gonna practice right now, we would like put both feet on the floor, do your band chairs. We would say, yeah, we would, you know, sit up straight, but in a comfortable way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put your hands like on your knees or legs in a comfortable way and then do internal check. Do I have blood pressure or heart issues? And if the answer is yes, then I wouldn't necessarily do this exercise till I got, you know, clearance from my doctor. But if I didn't, then I'd be like, check, let's move forward. And then we would start with an inhale where we let the, the breath fill the belly first. Then expand the lungs, 360, like an umbrella. Then the breastplate rises. And then when you're breathing out, the reverse of that. So breastplate falls, umbrella closes, belly rests. Okay. And when you're thinking about breathing in, we're going to think about breathing in, maybe for four or five beats. And then breathing out for eight or 10 beats. That part for me is the hardest, okay? If you find that that's uncomfortable, do what's comfortable. And I think, you know, let's not set timers or anything. I think breathe at your own pace. Because I, for one, when people start trying to control how often I breathe, I start to panic a little Mm -hmm. bit. I don't like that. So I generally disregard the things about like how many times you should be breathing per minute or whatever. I think they're fine guidelines, but like, meh, for me, it doesn't work well. If you struggle to kind of pace your breathing, you can also draw a triangle. So in your mind, imagine a blank slate and a cursor. Mine is orange. Yours is whatever color you want it to be. (laughs) And then you can trace. All of the sides are even. And you're going to inhale along the bottom as you trace it. And then exhale as you go up one side and down the other. Okay, so that's a rough way that you could measure. Now, if you weren't uh, trying to go so much for the Marshall Linehan official approved approach, you could also say, trace the triangle, inhale, trace the triangle, exhale, natural pause. And finally, sometimes people don't like the triangle and they want a square. So you could do inhale, natural pause, exhale, natural pause as you draw that square. Okay. I say do whatever works for you. Sweet. And then paired muscle relaxation is going to be like contraction of a muscle group for five to 10 seconds and then slowly relaxing it for five to 10 seconds. In a perfect world, you would inhale as you contracted them and then exhale as you relaxed them. And we usually start at the toes and go all the way up the body. So you might start by scrunching your toes and then letting them relax. And then doing the same thing with your foot and letting it relax and so on, all the way up the body till we get even to the eyebrows and the forehead and the top of the head and the ears, okay? (laughs) And that takes a little while. Again, you would not wanna do that if you have a heart problem or blood pressure issues. Uh, You might get dizzy, that kind of a thing. So always check with your doctor before you do something like this, but it is a really powerful technique. This one in particular, if you have a hard time sleeping at night, uh, can be really beneficial. But paired muscle relaxation and paced breathing are both things that you can do anywhere without anyone noticing. 
So you can control how you're breathing at any time. I do this when I'm working ER shifts all the time. If I start to feel worked up a little bit, I stop and make sure. Okay, that's much better, right? Because I tend to hold my breath. I've noticed a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, I do. Especially that if I get nervous. And then, you know, you can do paired muscle relaxation, even if you just do your toes. No one can see what you're doing inside of your shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. So you could just do the toes and let them relax. Doesn't anyone have to know about that? So I know we talked earlier, you know, what I did if I was feeling sad, but is there uh, an exercise that's recommended for that? Well, I think extreme sadness uh, can be helped a lot by the tip skills that we just went over. It does not have to be anger. It could be severe depression. They could be feeling really low instead of really amped up from anger. So the tip skills would be appropriate for that too, for sure. Sweet. Now, it's not the only distress tolerance skill. There are actually probably hundreds, but this is the one that is usually the most accessible to everyone and certainly the most accessible to talk about on a podcast. (laughs) But if you're feeling really, really down like a deep sadness, I would reach for the temperature first, to be honest with you, because I find that that is what helps me the most to kind of knock myself out of it along with some distraction. Like, let's not discount the ability of distraction to work for really intense emotions short term. So what that might look like is making a list of all of the things that you can use to distract yourself, okay? If you are experiencing really significant depression, you might incorporate this into what's called a safety plan, which is if you're having really intense emotions, here is the list that I get out that says on it, okay, here are the things to try, here are the skills to try. Because sometimes in the moment when you're feeling really rough, it's hard to remember all Mm -hmm. of these things. So that uh, safety plan might have methods of distraction on it, and that would be very unique to the individual. But We're aiming for things that are fun and enjoyable and maybe peaceful and maybe like avoiding things that are fun, but like competitive or Mm -hmm. like that you might get really bent out of shape if it's not going well for some reason. So if I were going to make that list for myself, I would put on it things like sitting outside on my patio and watching the birds, changing the feed in the bird feeders. Maybe I would uh, color because I really like to color like complex patterns. I have a bunch of adult coloring books that are really detailed, so I like Mm -hmm. to do that. I might put on my noise-canceling headphones and turn a podcast on and start cleaning the house because, again, that's just enjoyable to me. It helps pass the time. I might ask a friend to play like a board game with me. That'll really work. JJ mentioned earlier favorite show that she turns on. It's like a comfort show. Mm -hmm. Um, I might bake something. Um, Other people might put music on or they might read. Uh, They might go for a walk. Um, Anything like that that you can do to just distract yourself would be really important to consider. Yeah. Sometimes like if I'm feeling not necessarily like super sad, but just kind of melancholy-ish sad, just like I don't really have a reason, but I just kind of feel meh. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's also associated with weather, Mm -hmm. like if it's really dreary or something outside. I have a a playlist that basically is just a bunch of sad songs, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of wallow in it. Really? And 
I find that helpful because after about four or five songs, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm done with that. Well, I think we've talked a little bit on the podcast before, uh, maybe an episode with Dana, not this season, but in past seasons about Mm -hmm. like the concept of riding the wave or experiencing your emotions. And I think that's what you're describing. You know, I think there's a tendency to think emotion bad, push away, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're going to be so distressed by the idea of experiencing extreme sadness that we don't really ever confront it. We just kind of keep trying to chronically push it down and never face it. If you confront your emotions and allow yourself to experience them without judging yourself, usually it's really intense for only like 90 seconds. And so that's very doable. And then you'll find yourself ebbing and flowing. So you'll get very, very intense, but it's not going to get to a peak and stay at a peak for 15 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. or, or longer. It's going to come on back down. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense because usually somewhere in the middle of that, whatever is bothering me, it's usually like, I'll just be like, oh, this song's sad. It's kind of, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to have a little cry. And it's going to be short. And then, right, I'll be kind of, it is very much like a wave. You know, you go up, you have the cry, and then continue listening to the music. And it kind of goes away. And then I'm like, okay, I feel like, so I guess what I'm learning about myself is I can handle sadness, anxiety, and anger. I got to work on that. You have the ability to handle all of them. No, I'm sure I have the ability. You do. It's the... (laughs) Know how and doing it and not, you know, dwelling in the reaction. Yeah. Well, anger is tough, I think, for women because it's one that I don't think we are supposed to or allowed to experience. Yeah. Whereas for men, we talked last week actually about even our reaction as veterinary professionals to men crying is like, oh, mm-hmm. oh it's mm-hmm. such a weird thing that we like freak out about it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think women in anger is similar. Mm-hmm. It makes uh, it makes ourselves and other people very distressed when they see a woman who's very angry. And what do we tend to do when we get really angry as well? Cry. Cry, yeah. Cry. I hate that so yeah. much. Really, because you get super frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, again, reaching for those tip skills is going to be number one. And then number two, allowing yourself to experience it and say, like, man, I'm fucking pissed off. Like, I am angry. Or I am feeling so anxious right now because there's something about voicing it aloud that makes it easier to confront and it and it will go away. I mean, maybe not go away. It will diminish almost right away after you name it. Now, it might not go away completely, okay, because you're a person and whatever has happened to you is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that red line out of control feeling that I'm going to feel really tempted to make a poor decision and make this a thousand times worse. That part will be helped. Yeah. It reserves the urge to throw the hairdryer in the floor when the fuser falls off three times in a row. Correct. <sighs> yeah. Because like what would that what Solve. would that benefit you? Yeah. No, yeah. Nothing. So there is another distress tolerance skill that might be very helpful for us. And there's another acronym for it. There's acronyms for all of these. Yeah. Yes, well versed. It helps make them easy to remember. So this one is called accepts, Mm -hmm. like A-C-C-E-P-T-S. So accepts stands for 
A, activities, C, contributing, C, comparisons, E, emotions, P for push away, (laughs) T for thoughts, and S for sensations. Okay. Now, this is something that you would use again to make your problems a little bit more manageable until you can ultimately solve the problem. So this is not a problem-solving solution. This is getting myself the fuck back under control so that I can make wise decisions with the smart part of my brain and not the lizard part. Okay, so A for activities. So engage in an activity. Our distraction exercises that we just talked about. So read a book, go for a walk. Call a friend. Do all of the things that you can to sort of distract yourself away from this. C is for contributing. So purposefully doing something kind for another person. Because service helps you relieve emotional distress. It um, helps get your mind off the problem and it serves as a form of distraction. Uh, But also, it will just allow you to feel better about the situation in general, even if the help that you give is completely unrelated. Okay, so you might help your spouse cook dinner. You might, you know, mow the neighbor's lawn or you might, uh, you know, do something thoughtful for a friend or relative. Maybe write a note that's overdue to say, hey, I've been thinking about you. Something like that is another way of distracting you from the situation. Okay, the next one is a little bit controversial, I feel like, in 2023. (laughs) Okay, but it's C for comparisons. So we're encouraging putting your life in problems in perspective, okay? So, like, you've heard the term first world problem. Mm -hmm. So it would be kind of like that. Now, people are going to listen to this potentially and be like, I thought we weren't supposed to compare who has things worse or whatever. And, yeah, I totally get you, okay? Like, this is not saying compare your problems to someone else, see that your problems aren't as bad, and beat yourself up about feeling bad. That That's not what we're talking about. We don't want to do that. <laughs> but there is room, I think, to recognize, hey, the situation that I'm dealing with is not as severe as some situations that maybe my other loved ones are dealing with. And that doesn't make me a shit person. But I can recognize that and say, okay, let's put this in perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. At least this other thing isn't happening. Now, I don't think that you should say that to other people. That's never going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. This is an internal work that we're talking about. And again, it's a deactivation strategy. It is not a solution to a problem. We're just trying to make ourselves feel better. But looking at the plight of other people and saying, gosh, I don't have it that bad. There's room for that. There's room for that. Uh, If we can stay away from judgment and just know, hmm, I can (laughs) handle this because I've seen other people handle a lot more. Yeah, makes sense. E is for emotions. So you have the ability to purposefully invoke the emotion that is opposite to the one that you're feeling that is bothering you. Okay. So say you're anxious. What's the opposite of that? Calm. Calm. So maybe we meditate 10 to 15 minutes to induce that calm state. If you're feeling sad, what's the opposite of that? Happy. So we pick something we know is going to make us happy. For me, that's going to be dumb animal videos. Okay. (laughs) Or uh, I don't even know if this website is still there, but I used to get on. um, There was some website that would take submissions. And the submissions were like really bad text message typos. Mm. And so 
it would be like, you know, just screenshots of text message exchanges where the typo was so egregious that it would just be like fucking hilarious. Like the one I've told on the podcast before where I texted Dr. Plunkett anal sex instead Mm -hmm. of anal sex. Or the one that I had with my friend Shia Mm -hmm. where she (laughs) said she was getting anal crackers and it was supposed to be animal crackers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, um, like... You know, looking at stuff like that, that, you know, cracks you up. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling super, super sad, that's an excellent strategy you were asking earlier. So distraction in that sort of a way, like what fucking just cracks you up no matter what. Okay. (laughs) And then purposefully expose yourself to that because just experiencing that opposite emotion will be helpful for you. Now, P, again, might be kind of controversial. Because it stands for push away, pushing away the problem. Okay, so this is uh, talking about pushing the problem out of your mind temporarily or ignoring it. Okay, (laughs) so you can use your distraction techniques, you can use meditation, you can use mindfulness. The important part of this is that you're going to push thoughts away until such a time as you're ready to deal with them appropriately. This is not push away the problem, ignore the problem, procrastinate forever. It's just a right now thing. Again, all of these things that we're talking about are ways to not make the current situation worse. They are only deactivating strategies and not long-term solutions. Okay, so this might be controversial because I'm saying ignore the problem, but we're only ignoring the problem until we're equipped mentally to deal with it. Mm, Gotcha. Okay, the T stands for thoughts. So if you're having that rumination we talked about earlier, repetitive, anxious thoughts, negative thoughts, we want to replace them with different thoughts. So you might recite the alphabet backwards. You might do something that requires a lot of intense thought, like a strategic game or a Sudoku puzzle, something like that. This is something that we are doing to try to help you avoid what I'm going to call self-defeating behaviors, okay? Those might be things that are destructive to you, uh, self-harm, drug use, alcohol abuse, things like that. Or it might be blowing up at a family member, okay? Like really starting World War III with your family because you're really mad, okay? Things like that that probably aren't going to be very constructive long-term. Need to get my hands on Tetris. (laughs) I've been trying to find a Tetris for my phone, and I can't find one. Yeah, there used to be one in it. There's variations of it, but I've got I've got Ben on the hunt. If anybody can find it, he can. I'll let you know if they find it. Okay. All right, and then the last one is sensation. So use your senses to self-soothe during really stressful times. So that might be... Sitting with your soft blanket and hot cocoa, that counts, right? Mm -hmm. It might be taking a bath. Mm, Yep, I've done that. Mm -hmm. Listening to relaxing music, okay? Comforting food, okay? You know, watching your favorite show, anything that appeals to your senses. Petting your favorite Havanese. Petting your favorite Havanese is definitely (laughs) on the list. Related to senses, there is a grounding exercise that you can try as well. Oh, do I get to go outside, take my shoes off, put my feet in the grass? (laughs) You could do that. You absolutely could do that. But um, this is a a senses-based grounding exercise. 
And it's, I think, pretty much just called the 54321 exercise. So with this, you're going to identify five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And that will help bring you back into here I am in my body, here I am experiencing my body. Okay, now, this is a mindfulness practice. If you are super, super, ultra, super duper activated, mindfulness practice might not be what we reach for first. We might reach for something like the tip skill first, then come back to mindfulness as we're continuing to come down. So maybe we do ice pack first. Then we're going to say, okay, I can see the candy skull Darth Vader painting. <laughs> I can see the Star Wars mini figurines. I can see Snuffleupagus. I can see, you know, Mardi Gras beads with a saxophone hanging from them. And I can see a lot of stuffed animals. Okay, so that'd be my five. Then my four would be things that I can touch. So I can touch the podcasting foam wall that's like for our noise-canceling stuff. I can touch the top of my cup of tea here. It's got like a little plastic cover on it. It feels kind of cool. Probably made a noise just then. I can touch the stuffed animal that's soft. It's grr. That's right. I can touch the tabletop, which feels kind of rough. And maybe I can touch the doorknob there, and it feels kind of cool to the touch. Then I would pick out three things I can hear. Now, in the podcasting room, it's kind of hard to hear outside <laughs> noises. <laughs> so I can hear my voice. I can hear JJ breathing. And I can hear kind of the background hum of electricity that's just normally in a house. And probably my stomach. <laughs> Gurgling every few minutes. And then, <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> Two things I can smell. I can smell the cinnamon from my tea. Okay. And I can smell like just JJ's house uh, smell, which is like just a neutral smell. Kind of like cinnamon too. Like a, there's like an apple cinnamon undercurrent to JJ's house, which is nice. Like a false spice, like a pumpkin spice is this kind of what it's like. Leaves. Leaves. Is that the... That and we just got a Christmas tree, so you might smell that. Oh, I probably do smell like the pine. Girl, we went Griswold. I saw the photos. <laughs> it's a little full. And then one thing you can taste. So I've been drinking my tea, so I can kind of still taste uh, the chai tea, you know, on my tongue. It's nice. <laughs> okay. So um, that uh, you can use to ground yourself back. Here I am in reality. I'm in my body right now. Here's what's going on around me. Okay. And then the last part that I'm going to talk about is, again, like maybe controversial. I'm going to see how you feel about this. No, oh boy. So the last one is um, radical acceptance. When people hear radical acceptance, sometimes they think, well, radical acceptance must mean that I'm agreeing with whatever's happening or that I have to think whatever's happened is good. And that's not the situation. I think the best way to demonstrate radical acceptance is through an example. So, JJ, I'm mm -hmm. wondering if there is a time recently you would be willing to share when you were very, very activated, whether you were sad, you were angry, like whatever the situation was that you had a lot of intense emotions. Is there one that you feel 
comfortable sharing? I mean, I feel like <laughs> about once a week or something like that. <laughs> I knew that I had a test with my dog coming up Okay, that I was very anxious about because there was one particular thing on the test that he has consistently not been doing well on. Okay. And the perfectionist in me really wanted him to pass and be the best dog there. And the pet owner that is realistic in me was like, don't put that much pressure on your poor dog or yourself because that's ridiculous. And those things were warring within me and the time was approaching and I was very, very anxious about it. Okay. So you were super anxious about this idea of what if he doesn't pass the test? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What would happen? Well, he didn't, so. Okay. <laughs> so he didn't pass the test. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go back to you being anxious about it first, and then we'll talk about the aftermath. So the fear that you had was if he doesn't ha pass it, it, then that means what? It reflects poorly upon me oh, as okay. his trainer okay or his you know mother yeah if he doesn't pass the test then that means that i am somehow not adequate right okay. i didn't do a good job with working with him okay and also in that particular class everyone in the class knows that i used to work at this particular place and i'm a technician so there's automatically a little more of a perceived that Oh, well, you, you should be really good at this. You should, you know, you know more about animals than the average pet owner. So, you know, and plus he's already been through several classes and, you know, he started out kind of being, you know, little Mr. Superstar, knowing how to do a lot of the stuff. Mm -hmm. So they, most people already expected that he was going to do everything with flying colors. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just a vicious cycle of like, I suck, therefore he's going to suck, therefore everyone's going to think that I am not what they perceived me to be in the beginning, I guess. Yeah, you're going to let them down somehow. Mm -hmm. You're going to disappoint all these I'm other people. I'm letting myself down, I'm okay. letting them down, I'm mm -hmm. letting the trainer down, I'm letting my dog down. Okay. All the things. Yeah, so that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. A lot of pressure, okay. And then ultimately he didn't pass. Did you have a period of activation about that? I did have some residual like, oh, well, that's frustrating because he really, he did everything perfect, but the one thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, if he had just done that one thing, we would have passed and now I'm behind. Yeah. But. So those, <laughs> yeah, those thoughts of like, if only he had done this, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. If only I had done are, a better job. Are him. those helpful? No. Yeah, not helpful. Okay. So in the in the in the radical acceptance realm, it would look something like this. He has failed the test. It happened. Mm -hmm. And that's it. <laughs> not I'm glad he failed the test. That's not what we're talking about. Not it was really positive that he failed the test because it's going to open all the No. It's just it happened. He failed the test. It happened. That's what it looks like. The reason that that's helpful is that it opens your ability to then make changes to address the situation. So if you're like, if he had done this, if only he had done this, if I had done it this way, and it keeps you in this unhelpful spiral, if instead you're like, 
shit, he failed the test. That sucks. I'm frustrated. I'm worried. I'm worried other people are going to think I'm less than. That sucks. How might that allow you to change the thoughts in your head there? Um, My brain immediately goes to, okay, well, that happened. So what's the next step? What yeah. do we do now? We move on. That's right, JJ. Yes, mm-hmm. then we can make changes. <laughs> so like you could say, what if he had, what if this, what if this? And that's a little different from identifying what you need to do to move forward. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dwelling on this fantasy where he had done something different. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a lower stakes thing, I think we can agree, mm-hmm. than maybe some more major things that might have, that might occur. Okay, mm-hmm. like in our field. What if we're talking about a patient death? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can sit there and replay it every, you know, you can replay things over and over. What if I had made this decision instead of this one? What if I had done this instead of this other thing? But ultimately, that part is not helpful. You have to say, the patient died. Fuck, that mm-hmm. sucks. That doesn't mean I'm glad they died. That doesn't mean, hey, look at all these silver linings. That doesn't mean that I have to be glad about it or positive or even neutral. You can just say, man, that fucking sucks. This patient died. But until you accept it radically, here is the situation that happened. It's going to be very challenging to move on to what I can do to prevent it in the future, if there is even such a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of radical acceptance. It can be activating for people to hear about radical acceptance, I think. And so, again, I just want to say, like, no one is saying that you have to be glad about the thing that happened. It's just probably not going to be helpful to stay in denial about it. Yeah. And knowing that it's a thing might get you there faster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the last thing that I want to go over is actually something different. I know I said that that was the last thing, but you talking brought up one more thing. And I actually think this skill might be more applicable to what you just told me about, specifically leading up to um, having to go into the test where you're worried, what if he fails? What if he does fail? What if he fails? It's going to look bad on me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is something called the wise mind skill. Now, this is not a distress tolerance skill. This is an active working on yourself type of skill for emotional regulation, okay, and behavioral, you know, choosing choosing behaviors that are beneficial to you. So in DBT, Marshall Linehan is like, all right, everyone has three different minds or mindsets that they operate from. One is the emotional mind, one is the rational mind, and then there's the wise mind. Emotional mind is like very dramatic, okay? You were stuck in emotional mind leading up to this test with these emotional thoughts. He's going to fail the test. That means that I'm super bad at being a dog owner. That means I've let all of these people down somehow. (laughs) Not clear on that, but somehow because I wasn't, I didn't perfectly execute being a good dog mom. And I'm, I must execute being a perfectly good dog mom because I'm a, technician, you know, and I've been here before and I'm the most experienced and everything like that. Okay. So that's the emotional mind. It's saying super unhelpful things. It is being real dramatic, (laughs) like real extra up in here. Okay. (laughs) All right. And then we have the rational mind. Okay. So in your case, the rational mind might say, it's kind of dumb for you to feel that way. Okay. Because you can't control whether he 
you know, passes the test or not. You just have to show up and do it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, the rational mind, I admit, is a little bit more appealing to me than the emotional one. The problem with the purely rational mind is that it tends to be kind of judgmental, yeah, right? my rational mind is an asshole. Yeah, so ro it's like robot, beep, beep, boop. Here is the only rational solution. And then it kind of adds on in parentheses like stupid, mm -hmm. you know? like Yes, exactly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Exactly. And so although the rational mind might contain information that's important for you to know, it often delivers it in a way that is like mm. shitty, you know, and you're like, fuck, like, man, both of my brains are being mean to me. <laughs> OK, so the wise mind is uh, something we create. It's a place that we can operate from that takes into account both the emotions and the rational side of the mind because they're both valid and important. OK, mm -hmm. so if I was going to come up with a wise mind thought, I would take. This anxiety that you're having, okay, I might say something like, you know, I'm really worried that he's not going to pass the test, okay? And then I might grab something from the rational mind over here. Uh, but uh, I can't really control what he does during the test. I, he's in control of what he does. He's the dog taking the test. I'm afraid that if he does fail it, that that's going to mean that I have failed as a person, right? As a technician, uh, I am no good. But I know that it's up to him, it's not up to me. And we can always try again. So it's taking those two really intense perspectives and trying to find a middle ground between them. One that comes from a place of non-judgment, and that's really, really important. So what do you think about wise mind approach? You're laughing. I'm just going to tell you what is going on in my head. Uh, yeah, it's hit me. My, my brain's like, okay, so we're going to take the emotional mind, dunk it in some cold water. Sure. And we're going to muzzle the rational mind okay. and then just kind of then reconvene and Monday morning quarterback it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. Although, I don't know, I would say Monday morning quarterback is very rational mind thought, you know, like very okay. judgmental. So get a better muzzle for the rational mind and reconvene. <laughs> what if we thought of the wise mind as your, like, you know, hippie guru, fortune teller person? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, she's probably got some bracelets on or something. They jingle, you know what I'm saying? She's got one of those nice skirts. Like a I just want to channel skirt. that nurse from my doctor's office. That's <gasps> okay. I like. You know, okay, you don't walk, say your name or anything. I don't know her just name. Just tell me what the vibe is. Calm. Calm. Okay. Not she talks to you in a way that's soothing, but not condescending. It makes mm. you. She doesn't. Mm -hmm. She'll even sometimes say "sweetie," or she says she'll call some people beautiful. Okay, but it. A lot of times when someone says that, I'm just like, oh, God, shut it up. It sounds sarcastic sometimes, yeah. but she doesn't do but it that it, way. I don't know what kind of magical voodoo she has, mm -hmm. but like, I'm like, can I just come sit by you all day? Okay. Because I'll be the most Zen mother I mean, ever. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I've, it's very rare that there's a person that will have that effect on me. Because normally I'm so much in my own head mm -hmm. that even if somebody's trying, I'm just like, eh, get away from me. You're a person. Yeah. But, She's one of the, I mean, I can count on one hand the number of people in my life that we can have that. And I'm sad that I don't know her name. But I was like, just please come stay in the room with me. 
Because well, you're like human medical let's medicine. Let's give her a fake name. Okay. What would her name be if you could name her? Sophia. Sophia. So maybe you can name your wise mind Sophia. Okay. okay, so we already talked about what your emotional mind was saying and what your rational mind might be saying. So what might Sophia say to you instead? Pertain to the dog class? Yeah. Or, okay. Probably something like, sweetie, I know you're concerned about it and it's okay to be concerned about it. But at the end of the day, whatever happens is going to happen. And you just, you know, if he passes, great. If he fails, then you do what you got to do to work on whatever you need to work on and try again on another day. I love that. I think that it's a really good balanced approach. What do you think about it? I like Sophia. If Sophia, if you'd have been able to access Sophia, right? start hearing voices Our now, construct. Right. No, that's not the same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know how you can say like, like I, I, I was in therapy for so long that I would, I would kind of encounter a problem. And I had been going to therapy for so long that I would like have my typical reaction. And then I'd realize like that isn't a helpful reaction. And then I would be like, oh, what would my therapist say? Oh, my therapist would say blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, blah. And so I could even have like our conversation with myself. That's not the same thing as hearing voices. That's using your mind to its full potential. That was more, I guess, my uh, rational mind (laughs) trying to crack a joke. Ah, well, so what um, what benefits might you have seen from being able to access Sophia? Probably it would have come up more just as often as it did, but I may have been able to be like, you know, shut that shit down a little bit faster. And maybe it wouldn't have continued to come up like every hour of the day, <laughs> the whole week beforehand. And yeah. It may have been just maybe a couple times a day and I can just. All right, acknowledge, stop it in a constructive way and accept and move on. Hmm. I think it's worth a shot. Well, okay, guys. So, you know, we've actually gone over quite a few skills today. I I think we're super out of time slash maybe even a little bit over again for today. It's becoming a common theme for us Mm. to go over. We're chatty. That's right. (laughs) So... What I'll do is in the show notes, I will post like our sources and things like that and maybe like links to some articles and worksheets. If you guys are interested in this type of stuff, check the show notes and I'll give you kind of a primer of like other places I can look, other information I can access about these skills because we just went over like the surface level stuff. I mean, these skills are accessible and there's tons of them and uh, I think that they're a really great thing to kind of keep in your back pocket to pull out when you are feeling really frustrated Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna try some of these for real yeah I mean I use them I use the tip skill every day literally every day of my life I use it all right well uh if you have questions cases uh stories or anything else you'd like for us to read Ooh, what about like a Christmas story? Animal Christmas stories? Mm -hmm. For the first time this year, we're going to have a Christmas episode Mm -hmm. because we started so late. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, what if we, yeah, like what if people sent us like heartwarming animal stories for Christmas? Can we please do heartwarming? You know how I love heartwarming animal stories. You can absolutely. Heartwarming animal stories for Christmas. (laughs) Okay, we decided it right here. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys send me some heartwarming animal stories for Christmas. 
And I want to do something. Okay. Can we each pick one of each other's pets mm, okay. and draw them? Oh, and draw them uh-huh. like for each other? Yes. As a Christmas gift? Yes. Okay. Um, like based on a photo? Yeah, I mean, it, or just like you seeing him in person, so you can kind of. It draw. can be. It can be whatever you want. Okay, I have a specific photo I need to have a picture of. Okay. Oh yeah, like and, I mean, don't don't. No, we're, we're not expecting Picassos because I have little <laughs> to no artistic Picasso ability. Picasso might be the only type of thing I can <laughs> arrange. JJ. Uh, yes, I a hundred percent. Let's do it. Okay, so that'll be our. Our like secret Santa for each other, mm-hmm. not so secret Santa. And we we are can gonna, also show the pictures on the. So we're gonna re- we're re- agreeing we're gonna reveal the pictures to one another during the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. and then we'll post them online. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm gonna do it. And if you have a specific picture you want me to go by, okay, get it to me. All right, I'll send it to you. It's real dumb. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> we was ending this one we? yeah we were trying to wrap it up but we got to distract yes. it uh you can find us on social media uh we're on what are we on facebook mm-hmm. yep. we're on um tiktok tiktok hang on okay we're on okay. facebook we're on tiktok and we're on instagram and it's at intervents and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help show sure do. and we'll see you next time Bye-bye. bye bye bye